0: power project family how's it going today we have a great episode for you we <laughs> talk a lot about compounds as much as we know you guys love those that's why we have the gorilla chemist brian moscow on the episode today we talk a lot about different things and supplements that you've never heard of the origin of bcaa's uh people getting on T, uh, trt and why it may or may not be and useful, like, and like how to make testosterone how like to... like we got deep in this episode today Yeah, i wonder how the hell do you make tests but yeah. we're
1: gonna find out today
0: and fertility because no 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 one thinks about Uh, babies. Yeah,
1: no one can look into the future.
0: Absolutely. But we also talked a lot about blood work and, and getting your levels checked, which is why we work with Merrick Health owned by Derek for more plates, more dates. And we want to talk to you guys real quick about the Power Project panel, which has 26 different labs mm-hmm. that are going to help you understand what you may be deficient on and what you may need more of. Uh, and it's super easy to work with Merrick. So Andrew, tell them about
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys got to head over to merrickhealth.com slash power project. That's M-A-R-E-K health.com slash power project. And you guys are going to see the Power Project panel. This is. The panel that Insina was just talking about, with twenty six different labs, it, it covers everything from you know uh, testosterone, estrogen, and a bunch of other things that maybe you're not even aware of to check uh, to check for. Clesterol. So, yeah, do all of the things, and then it also comes with a client uh, care coordinator uh, that's going to give you a consultation to help guide you into what you need to do next. That's huge because when it comes to getting all these labs done, uh, when you get the results, sometimes you're not, you're not sure what you're actually looking at. So, Merrick is going to make sure that you know exactly. Where all your levels are and where they should be. Again, MerrickHealth.com/slash/powerproject at checkout. Enter promo code PowerProject to receive a hundred and one dollars off of that uh, panel. Uh, links to them down in the description as well as the podcast show notes. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. You I can't s-
0: do shakes
2: anymore. No, my stomach. I uh. like recently got stomach issues, so I have to be really strict on what I eat. Oh wow! But I was in college and grad school. I was taking shakes every day. Did you find
3: anything actually wrong with your stomach?
2: I have IBS, oh. but they don't. There's no cure for it. Mm-hmm. There's like a couple of medications, none of them did anything, mm. and they're super expensive. So I was like, I'm not taking these. So I had to change my diet a little bit on things that are more inflammatory than others.
1: Did oh. doctors just want to give you antidepressants for IBS? My
2: <laughs> doctor tried to give me antidepressants. I'm like, I'm microdosing mushrooms. I'm not there taking you go. antidepressants.
1: Yeah, I thought that and was that, weird. I like really. That a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My doctor says I forgot what the fuck he said, but he. I was just like, isn't that an anti-? Like He didn't even tell me what it was. Thankfully, I knew. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to forego that. This was before I ever you know, knew Mark or anything. So now it's gotten way better since. But yeah, um, I
0: thought that was weird. But okay, again, antidepressants for irritable bowel syndrome. Yes, that's, that's
2: weird. For, so first off, I don't know how much you know about this. To approve a drug, the FDA, it needs two clinical trials that show that it works better than the placebo statistically significantly. But you can do a million tests until you get the two that work. Or you can pay to only have one. Mm. So they did a huge meta study on all these antidepressants and they found out that they really don't do shit. Like as far as compared to the placebo
1: for IBS or just no, for, for, for
2: depression dep- <sighs> like they made up the term chemical imbalance as a marketing term to, produ- to put these products out there and now they're like the number one prescribed thing everyone takes
1: coming about. out the gate hot yeah,
2: where do you crazy. think where
3: do you think that Ooh. comes from when you say they like uh, big pharma the, yeah okay the pharmaceutical industry yeah I mean it doesn't seem like people have a lot of success on a lot of these things no it
2: uh <clears throat> it works for some people, but the placebo effect is so strong. I mean that that is a proven
3: The placebo effect. effect is so strong that it it could just
2: it could just be the fact that they're taking something, they believe it's gonna work. Yeah, know? the doctor said it's gonna work, they take something, placebo effect is is real. But they're like that's all that stuff is natural, it does the same thing. Mm. Dopamine reuptake inhibitor, serotonin reuptake inhibitor, monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Like that's what keeps everything like we'll get into it, but that's yeah, what they yeah. do.
3: Um, for your stomach, <clears throat> I've heard more recently that there. Some people believe that BPC one five seven, which is a peptide, mm-hmm. is supposed to be very helpful for your stomach. Uh, and if so, in what way?
2: It's an anti-inflammatory. It helps with leaky gut. That I believe that's why it was first invented. Was for that syndrome. And then it, we found out that it increases. What is it? Angiogenesis. Mm. So it causes new blood cells or new blood vessels, sorry, which helps healing. But the BVC part for your stomach was originally for IBS and for um, UC, ulcerative mm. colitis. So that was the first purpose for it. And I've tried it, and it helps. It's just finding a, a reliable peptide mm. source is very hard. Everyone, you, I had buddies that were in the peptide industry, and they told me... I'm just going to
3: push your microphone
2: closer to you. They uh, They told me that Like since uh, China got shut down and stuff, India is making a lot of them and they're just not as potent.
3: So I don't even know who to trust anymore. Mm. What else uh, does BPC-157 do from just uh, some of the research that you've heard and some of the things that you've seen?
2: Accelerating healing through making new blood vessels, getting blood into your – or getting the growth factors that are released into your cell muscle cells or wherever the injury is to help – it, it recover and uh, heal properly, I would say, is the best thing mm. for it. And then the TB500 TB or 400,
3: there's two of them, the, that just kind of accelerates it. So Yeah, for myself, uh, my shoulder was jacked up, and I've heard so much about these uh, two, TB157, and or I'm sorry, TB500 and um, BPC157, <laughs> and uh, I was just like, well, I'm just going to give it a go because I don't know what I did to my shoulder, but I can't move it. Mm -hmm. And um, I utilized it for a handful of days along with getting some other treatment as well, just getting like some active release therapy on it. So that could have been effective as well. And I would say uh, it was probably three to five days that it took where it started to get better. I started to notice uh, an impact uh, pretty much right away. My shoulder still doesn't feel like 100%, but uh, I literally could not put my left arm on my steering wheel. My shoulder was so weird i don't and again, i don't even remember how you did it. I have no idea like what the hell I did so i was in, uh, I was in a bad way, and that particular combination seemed to help i don't have any evidence other than just my own experience with it, but it seemed to help a lot there's a lot of studies on it, and um I think Ben Greenfield
2: did a deep dive on it, mm-hmm. and I read his protocol, which is similar to like what I tell people to do. <laughs> So there is research backing it. It's not just made-up bullshit like everything else on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: And what is BPC5157? Because I've heard, like, if you're a certain athlete in certain sports, where can't you use it? Even though you should be able to, but where can't you use it? Probably WADA.
2: WADA? I would think. I don't know 100% the ban list because I don't – like, a lot of the athletes (laughs) I work with aren't drug-tested that way. Yeah, But the – I have worked with professional, like uh, Olympic level before, and I know they couldn't take certain things. And then I was trying. This isn't recording, right? Yeah, we're recording. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you need me to edit that out, I can. Though.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, just um, how to time things so right. that you're not going to get tested. But who knows? Right. That's that was what he
3: really needed. Mm. So. Ooh. Yeah, I think I want to say maybe I heard like some of that stuff's gotten banned recently, but then also how would you even I don't like, I don't know. I guess there's a way to test for everything, right? Yeah, um the, usually they do like GCMS which is
2: gas chromatography mass spectrometry and which is basically you put the sample in and then you blast it with electrons and it breaks the molecule up into different pieces of different masses and you get this spectra and one of the masses is is like one proton away from being the molecule, and then you test it that way. Or if it's something in the urine and a metabolite, we know what it metabolizes to. That's how a lot of the steroids get popped because we know how they're metabolized, and so they test for that. So you don't test positive for, you know, Winstraw. You test positive for the metabolite of Winstraw, like what your body does to it.
0: It's a crazy thing, though, like... Because if I'm incorrect, BPC-157 is mainly used for something to help an athlete recover from an injury, right? Or can it be used in other senses in terms of helping performance or increasing performance?
2: I think it's mostly injury, not preventative, but injury repair. Injury repair. Yeah, and then the stomach thing we talked about. But I don't think it's something that... I haven't read research mm-hmm. that personally that says it can increase performance. But what, it could. what
1: if, uh, like you, you train really hard and you're extremely sore? Like, can it help that? Or like you strain? I mean, obviously, we just talked about injuries, but like, because you know, people talk about like steroids help you recover faster, so you can go back and hit it harder or just as hard. Can it do something like that, or is it not? That's a different process. Yeah, okay. in your body. Yeah, that like the
2: increased anabolic effect from those is not present in the BPC. So like steroids were made for burn victims, you know, and AIDS patients so they can help not lose mass. So they have that natural anabolism where BPC is more for if you have an injury, it it can help you reduce the inflammation on it. Mm
3: -hmm. We need the steroids to be made for what they're used for. I think you know what I mean. I think that's what we need to move to next. I well, mean, I know they, they just kind of easier. I know they kind of tried with sarms, but literally, like it would be really helpful if it was made to if they were designed out of the gate to help with the augmentation of the human body. Well, I think you know where they originated, right? I do not. Germany mm-hmm. World, mm-hmm. World War
2: II. War They uh, ex- I believe and they super ex- soldiers. <laughs> they extracted <laughs> testosterone from bull testicles, mm-hmm. and they they were. I don't want to use the word crazy. <laughs> they were innovative <laughs> scientists over in Germany that extracted it and started giving it to their their soldiers and, and documented the results. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it was first synthesized a few years later. And then what chemists do, like I'm a chemist, what we do is you look at the molecule of testosterone, you know what the androgen receptor looks like, you see where the key binding points are. So you're familiar with what testosterone looks like, right? The actual mm-hmm. molecule. So if You're looking at it from left to right. There's a double bond oxygen at the front. There's the OH that's the one that is the one that sometimes they methylate for an oral that that uh, hydroxyl group, that ketone, and that ring. Re- yeah, there it is right there. So, can I walk over there or no, or can I just point? it? Uh, at you it? Can just point, yeah. yeah, okay. They'll so, see. bottom left uh, yep. ketone and that double bond right there next to it, uh, on the carbon four five. So, that's carbon three. Sorry, yeah, right there, four, five. Right. That whole part is uh, part of the binding process. The methyl group on 19, right, up, right above that. Nope, the other one to the left.
1: This one? Yep, here, sorry. That one,
2: <laughs> uh, mm. that's the one that's missing on DECA and other nor testosterone derivatives trend. And then the OH on the far right is another key group. All right. And those are-
1: it's, That's my right.
2: Oh. <laughs> it's also his right. I mean, it's okay. all of our rights, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. What, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that That's a key binding point. So like androstenedione, and own is stands for ketone, which is what that double bond oxygen is, mm. and the OH is a hydroxyl group. So the androstenedione has a double bond there that has to be converted to that alcohol in order to bind. If it doesn't have that alcohol, it has like zero anabolic ability. So what a chemist does is see where it's metabolized, where, where it fits in the ender receptor, and how we can make it work better. So the um, having that double bond oxygen and then that double bond carbon, like one off of each other, it's called conjugation. And that means the electrons around that oxygen are, quote, talking to the electrons that are in that double bond. And that is a main factor in, in how it binds And so DHT doesn't have that double bond um, on the bottom screen there. That's dihydrotestosterone, meaning they added hydrogens there, so it doesn't have the double bond. And that changes the way the ring can bend Mm. in 3D. So all these things, like if you put a, I think, a chlorine group right where that double bond starts, it prevents the breakdown of that double bond so that it's more potent and more anabolic, there's just so many things you could do uh if you put um an OH, a hydroxyl group or a ketone on 11 that's what um halotestin has that along with the 9 fluorine but that that helps it bind to the corticoce- corticoid receptor which is also has anabolic activity and increases the anabolic activity of the molecule so chemists look at this and they derivatize they make, they, there's that book by vita have you you've heard of that book Mm-mm. I have not. Julius Vita made a book called, it's either androgenic and anabolic agents or anabolic and androgenic agents. And it was basically, they made every possible derivative and then tested it to see if it's anabolic or not. And by adding methyl groups, um, halogens, which are fluorine, chlorine, bromine, adding different parts to the different molecule and tested it. And that's where um, Patrick Arnold went, got that book looked at what was out there that that hadn't been marketed, and made it and became a new pro-hormone. A lot of the pro-hormones actually came from that book. And that book was, I believe, in 1969. It's an old book. I actually had to get it in undergrad. I had to get it from another library. They transferred it to my library so that I can read it, and I actually (laughs) photocopied the whole thing. This is before I found a PDF online, because we're talking like, oh, Five, mm-hmm. oh six, six, and I photocopied the whole thing and read all about it. And he goes into detail on why the, this one works and this one doesn't. What's the most powerful steroid that you've ever seen? <laughs> Anabolically? Yeah, or androgenically, either way. Um, Methyltrienolone is the standard that they, that they go against to see anabolic activity. So that's trend. And and the methyl group is where the hydroxyl group is. It's they're together, so that because that prevents the breakdown
3: of that hydroxyl group. Is that usually an oral thing? It is is an oral. And then there's the and then like that one must have probably a lot of side effects. I would imagine because of the strength of it, or
2: that has it's the most liver. It never made it to market because it kills (laughs) kills your liver. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely kills your liver. The doses were micrograms versus milligrams. What
3: is the action that? can be harmful to the liver when we're talking about steroids or especially the oral steroids?
2: So your liver is responsible for like demethylation of those compounds. And it also, if you have too much of that, you have buildup of bile. And like, I think it's called um, coleostasis where like your your liver Begins to fill up with bile and not be able to process things because Mm. it's doing this so much into your body, like breaking down these compounds that are very toxic. So Mm. that's why what's blanking on the name? What's that liver one that has the that's real expensive that everyone uses Oh, like a supplement? Yeah. It's really hard to get good stuff of it, but it's Mm -hmm. really expensive. Um, There's there's NAC and there's... No, the other one. Tudka? That's the one. Tudka, yeah, the um, taurine-based one. That's Mm -hmm. the one that's... And
0: what's that for, by the way?
2: For cleansing your liver from cholestasis. So if you're using gear that's methylated, that's the one you want to use. NAC helps, but your liver is really resilient. Mm -hmm. It's like... That's where the guess- that in the liver comes from because you can't live without it and it's very resilient. But the Tudka is probably the best thing if you're taking
3: a heavily oral regimen. What are your thoughts? Because you mentioned that this com- that like this whole thing started from uh, it being extracted from bull testicles, which right. to me sounds actually pretty natural. Right. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> later on, I believe, uh, and I don't understand where this stuff comes from and I don't have the biochemistry background that you do. Uh so help us understand. I believe that testosterone was later synthesized from like yams or potatoes or something like that. So my kind of question here is why do people try to go with these outside resources of plant-based things? Uh, we had Andrew Huberman on the show. We've had other people on the show and they'll they tout these certain things that uh, increase your testosterone levels. But sometimes when I look at some of these things, I'm like, well, if we're going to increase our, if that's the goal, then we should just take testosterone. And I know that certain things are illegal. And I understand that there's a market for some of these things, but it's my belief that taking a shot of testosterone is healthier in some ways than messing around with some of these things that we don't know much about. Because I would say, and I, this is just my own belief i believe that there's more information there's more research on steroids than there is on something like frogia agresta or however you say that frogia agresta
2: so the one of the main problems is if a if a university laboratory isn't funded to do this research and a supplement company wants to do it then they have to pay for it and these mm-hmm. these studies are very expensive hundreds of thousands of dollars to do right so a lot of this stuff that I base my product development on is research from labs. Some of it is just in vitro. Some of it is in vivo, meaning in cells versus actually in humans taking it. And the natural stuff contains compounds that are similar in action or they have some kind of binding affinity to the AR, but they're not, there's no natural testosterone found in any of these things. These are all things that are mostly signal your brain to increase luteinizing hormone or follicle stimulating hormone, and that's how they work to boost your testosterone. Mm. But you can't synthesize testosterone from yams. I don't believe there's an active in there, but you can find natural things like DHEA, and then you can synthesize testosterone. Like there's ways to do it. Where does testosterone come from? In the body? No, I just like... Oh, it's only in the body. As far as actual, the molecules and But how do
3: they make it, like at these labs and stuff?
2: Oh, you get a... There's it comes a,
3: from a plant, doesn't it?
2: No, well, so in in real chemistry, not like home chemistry, if you're in a real lab, you can buy standards from companies like Sigma Alders, which make all these raw materials that are 99.99% pure, and you take that, and then you look at the molecule and you see where you have to connect certain things and, and you just synthesize it like you add them together you stir them sometimes you heat them sometimes you cool them you add different reagents like reducing or oxidizing and then you make the molecule at the end so it could be a three step process it could be a 15 step mm. process it just depends on what you're trying to do so for but it's like, derived from something in the beginning right? D H G A is the main one in the body and then that can convert to dione, which converts to diol. I, kind of,
3: I guess I'm trying to ask, uh, like testosterone. Yeah. When they, you know, put it in a bottle. Yeah. Where does that come from? It comes from,
2: well, the standards that they make. Or I mean, now you. But
3: they, it kind of comes from something from the earth, right? Or something.
2: No, uh, not necessarily. Chemists make stuff. So, like, if, but if you it, can't make something out of nothing, what's it made out of? You mean hmm. like? Carbon, nitrogen, oxygen—like it's not made from bark. They don't extract bark. It's—it's it's all it's not like
3: synthesized from
2: anything. No, not anymore. Everything is all chemically made. It's like synthetic, mm-hmm. like all like we were talking about vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Nobody's squeezing oranges and taking that <laughs> <Right>. and extracting <laughs> vitamin C anymore. We make, we know how to make it. We uh, synthetically mm-hmm. from a starting point. And uh, to circle back to the Patrick Arnold thing about THG. Is he found a birth control pill that was had the same um, alternating double bonds? Those three alternating bonds that make trend trend, and it was, uh, I believe, he just it had an ethyl group instead of a methyl group on carbon nineteen or eighteen, one of the two, and he re- and it had a double bond, and he just reduced the double bond, and there it was, and it was super undetectable and potent. Mm-hmm. So like. If you know what you're looking for, you can chemically alter them, and if you're if you know what to do. But to answer your original question, no, the, you don't, you don't, can't extract testosterone from any plant or anything like that. We use like different uh, anabolic things from like the insect hormones that are big now, like. Um, laxagenin was a big plant-based one that has anabolic properties, but it has nothing, It's not testosterone. It's just another,
3: it's their form of an anabolic hormone in their body. Is it a good idea for someone to try to boost their testosterone through some of these means? I don't think it boosts
2: testosterone as much as it just has an anabolic effect. So a lot of the times these compounds, just the pathway by which they go increases muscle protein synthesis, which is the end game, right? Testosterone does the same thing. It's just a matter of how you do it. You don't necessarily need to activate the androgen receptor. You can activate mTOR, like how leucine does that. Insulin does that. And then there's another pathway it goes through. And then it can just increase. It turns on genes to increase building
0: muscle. You know, we were kind of talking about this earlier. But everyone's like, uh, most guys are here about testosterone. Like, I want to increase my testosterone so I can get bigger, et cetera. And I know that you focus on the chemistry. But I know a few people who have low testosterone who have built amazing physiques, physiques that people would think they're on drugs, but their T is low. So, you know, you got a lot of young guys in their late teens or early 20s trying to seek out testosterone to get bigger. Do you think that, I mean, is is that what they should be seeking out? Because everybody's seeking out things like doing cycles of tests, et cetera. I I have a
2: huge issue with anyone that takes steroids under 25, Twenty-three would be pushing it. That's the prime. That's when your body's making its most ever. So mm-hmm. all you're going to do is continually lower your natural, and it's hard. Maybe if you're young, it bounces back more easily. But like at my age, it, it didn't. So I don't recommend kids doing that. But I, I've known plenty of kids, like in my high school, I knew kids that did it, and yeah. uh, in college. So I don't think they realize every every we, the same thing we talked about how we talked about oh, it's dopamine. You got to get that release, everything online. Your attention span is so small. People just want results. And obviously mm-hmm. gear is going to give you results much more quickly. But for example, what my workout partner is 23. He just graduated from college and he's natural and he's into competing. Mm-hmm. And I told him, please wait until you're 25. I promise you, 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 it'll make a world of difference because once you go, once you start there, it's almost impossible to start making natural gains once Mm -hmm. your body's been introduced to such like super physiological levels of testosterone or any other type of that substance.
0: And that makes me wonder what amount of like... So guys are doing everything they can to increase testosterone. Like example, Andrew Hubern came on. He talked to us about Fidocia aggressus and Tone Connelly. So I was like, fuck it. Let me see what that'll do my test levels. It had actually quite an impact on my luteinizing hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, my test went up very minimally, but it, I didn't feel much of a difference. But a lot of guys, like, let's say that they do want to use some tests or something, even though they should probably wait. What amounts are the necessary amounts that are going to be the things that allow you to see a change? Because if a guy goes from like, 300 to 600 or 300 to 700, that's not going to be something that makes a huge difference. Or am I wrong there?
2: If it's somebody who's never done anything, I just, I literally just made a post about this, about this, how if you're first starting off your first cycle, you can 250 milligrams a week, you can grow Mm. if you've never done anything before. Mm -hmm. And, but if you start at 500 or start at 600, you can't start it. You can't go back and get gains at, 200 or 250. So I may, I am a very big believer in minimal possible dose to get results Yeah, because I think you should incrementally increase and it doesn't have to be every cycle. If you're getting constant, if you're doing it properly and coming off and going on um, and with adequate breaks, you can probably use the same dose of something Mm -hmm. and get similar results until you start to jump. And I made a whole big thing about. There's a ton of coaches I know that are just drug pushers, and and people send me stuff. I have a lot of friends that are pros. They send me, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Mm -hmm. And and I kind of laugh, and I I said, cut it in half, cut everything in half, whatever we just told you, cut it in half because (laughs) that's so much. And unless you're, you know, like Dallas McCarver was one that you know pushed the limits. I think I love Nick Walker. I love his physique. He grew super fast. I, I I have no idea what he's taking. Like, we're not cool like that. We're just, I'm just gnome. Um, but I know that these guys are pushing the envelope and younger and younger, like you said. I just think it's – everyone at 23 thinks that they're invincible. I did. When I was 23, I'm sure you guys did the same thing. You never thought it would catch up. But then, you know, Sean Roden dying at 46 was a huge wake-up call because I'm 40 – you're close to 46. I don't, I'm not sure how old you are. 29. You're young. You're a baby. <laughs> you're still in, you're still invincible. <laughs> it's just, it catches up to you. And uh, I don't think anyone's really thinking that way. Everything is the short term. I want to be on stage now. I want to win this trophy now. And, and if you're getting paid for it and if you're willing to sacrifice it, that's a personal choice. So it's really up to them. But some of the old school bodybuilders... You know, did minimal stuff, and because stuff like these fancy things weren't around. You know, you had the few compounds that everyone used, and it was kind of like an experimentation. Like this does this, how much? But nobody was using. Like I, I've just seen people using hundred milligrams of oral winstrol, and I cringe because mm. that's just going to kill your good cholesterol, and that can give you heart heart issues, heart failure, plaque buildup. You also need that for you need estrogen for cell repair sex sex drive so all of these compounds have very negative effects and people think Winstral is kind of healthy but it's really not
0: what's winstrel for by the way again
2: it's a horse steroid that um <laughs> people think winstrel's kind of healthy i mean but this <laughs> 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 is a, a great quote on the scheme of things people think it's it, it's not it's a less less harmful one than say like haltestin or tren or, or something like that but in reality, the effects it's having internally are far worse than just taking more testosterone. Testosterone yeah. is the natural ligand, and ligand just means the the one that binds the receptor. It's the natural one. So once you start derivatizing them and making them stronger to do this or that, you know, you also have the the side effect change and how how it affects your. Circulatory system and your cardiovascular system, and all that stuff.
3: And an interesting thing is if somebody who trains regularly just took Winstrel and didn't make any changes to their diet, they would look leaner. They would look like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they can have a whatever diet, but just everything's the same. They, they, you know, normally look a certain way. They train a certain way. So they would look healthier. Right. But it could could be some big repercussions going on. Yeah.
2: I always. And again, I just made this whole post about getting blood work done like minimum twice a year uh, physicals from your doctor. And then if you are an enhanced athlete all the time, like a pro, you need to be getting blood work done on and off to make sure what's going on. Because that's the only real way to know. I gave two examples you can do on your own. Monitoring the color of your urine is always a good thing to do. If you see it change dark, that could be a kidney thing. It could be a liver thing. Um, your body could be breaking down muscle tissue and that's what's causing it to be dark. Like I had rhabdo. I went to the hospital for rhabdo and I didn't, I just felt weak out of nowhere. I just thought I was tired, overworked. I was training real hard. I had just gotten back from Australia and I was training like six days a week. I was big at the time, like in the the 240s. And then all of a sudden I got real tired and I was in bed, like literally couldn't get out of bed. I was so weak. And my wife, luckily, after about eight days, took me to the doctor. They admitted me to the hospital, and it took them two days to figure out it was rhabdo. And my uh, urine was super dark, and uh, my creat- creatinine levels were really high, and my CK kinase was high, and C reactive protein was really high. My AST and LST, which are your liver enzymes, were ton- in the hundreds. Mm. It was, and and it wasn't from gear. They they think it was just from overtraining, and your body just says enough and starts breaking rapidly, breaking down muscle tissue. And that that's just one thing you can look for. And another thing is uh, edema, water retention, especially in your feet. Mm-hmm. Then if if your feet are constantly having water around your ankles or something, that's another signal that your blood pressure could be high or your heart's not pumping enough blood properly. So those are two simple things you don't have to go to the doctor for just to realize I need to go to the doctor something's wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I want to also ask this since we kind of talked about uh, trend earlier. Um, trend is something that I see a lot of young guys doing too. Especially on TikTok, bro. You, you'd be surprised. There's some young guys on, on TikTok talking about their trend cycles and how great they're doing because they're getting bigger. So I want to ask, what exactly does trend do? It's positive. And then along with that, if People are deciding to take the step of going on trend because they obviously are. What do they need to be careful of? And what are the potential long-term ramifications or short-term that they need to keep in mind if they choose to do trend? Because guys are talking about trends super liberally. Like it's just – it's cool. It's trend. Because it works
2: really well as an anabolic and an androgenic compound. Can so, you
0: explain
3: those two a little bit to us? Sure.
2: So if something's anabolic, that means it helps build muscle. And if something's androgenic, that's more of the secondary side effects. Uh, sex drive, body hair growth is on balding. You can't accelerate balding because of uh, DHT. and But mostly, trend is very, very anabolic at lower doses. Mm. But it's not, in my opinion, not a beginner one. It's something you should do once you've had at least testosterone and maybe something like EQ is another light one that I think is relatively safe or premium And if it's real is relatively safe comparatively to these trend is just, it got so popular as uh culturally just every gym rat was always like, yeah, you got to take trend rat. or do you, you know how you meet the big guy in the gym and <laughs> yeah. talk about it. That, that's the go-to. And, and all these kids asked me the same thing. I was like, Oh, I'm on this bunch of trends of like, Why? What have you done before? Oh, it's my first cycle. And I'm doing like three things. And it just, it blows my mind that they don't, nobody really researches anything. They just ask random people in the gym because they have a great physique. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm guilty of that as well. Like the, my first introduction to this was making a friend at the gym who was really big and asking, and it started about natural stuff. And then he told me about other things and uh, it was just an exploration from there. But I, then got really into researching it myself, and then you know, with the influence of Patrick Arnold, actually made the choice to go back to school for chemistry to really understand it and then hopefully educate people from my position of which I feel I have credibility versus somebody <clears throat> who's just big in the gym
0: yeah
1: so, so, the, uh the the common opinion about like low testosterone um, or i guess in a um not an effect, but people say that they 're tired so that their testosterone must be low. Um, it seems like that's the uh, the correct opinion of that uh, side effect but like Ensemo was pointing out, there's some people that will show their blood work and they have low testosterone, but they 're still shredded they're still They seem to have high energy. Why do you think it varies so much from person to person?
2: Genetics play a huge role in a lot of things there are I have friends that I am extremely jealous of that walk around. At six percent, they eat whatever they want. They, he's
1: they, across the table from you, by the way. Got it. <laughs> he's a
0: new
3: friend, yeah. and he's right here. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ!
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, genetics just control everything. You know, like um, for example, and I don't know how substantiated this is. This is an educated guess, and I believe it's been around the internet. Uh, he he was a fisherman. And weighed 185 before he ever touched a weight. So people speculate that his genetics may possibly he might have lower naturally lower myostatin levels versus someone else, mm-hmm. which is the reason why he was able to get so big so quickly. Um, from 180, I mean, if you're starting at 185 and you've never touched a weight. That's a pretty big base, mm-hmm. you know. So at his age, and he was young. He was either 19 or, or early 20s. Never, And so people underestimate the power of genetics. And some people can have zero or low testosterone and just stay ripped because their metabolism is really fast or they can hold on to muscle better. Like There's just so many different pathways by which your body maintains its mm-hmm. muscle mass that it doesn't just come down to testosterone. There's other things. There's other factors that help you have energy or stay ripped and and a lot of it is just having the attitude. I'm sure you, you probably just have a good attitude about yourself and have confidence and know that, you know, I'm, I'm, I look this way. I'm going to look this way. I train for this and stuff like that. So there's just a lot of variables, but genetics is a big one.
0: And yeah. re- Real quick. Um, the cuz we meant we, we talked about how tren was like effective but also like what are the like what do you guys need to think about if they choose to go down the road of currently using it and what are the ramifications like down the road of using tren it's extremely suppressive way
2: more suppressive on, than testosterone cuz all of the 19 nors which mean they don't, don't have a methyl group on the 19th carbon mm-hmm. all of those are vi- are much more suppressive And harder to bounce back from. And then long-term, I think it would be more of the plaque buildup because it's such a more powerful compound. And especially if it doesn't aromatize. Mm -hmm. So if things aromatize easily, that's better for you, not from a physique standpoint, but it's health wise because you're getting estrogen still in your body, okay. where trend would probably lower your estrogen more so than if you're taking even D ball, because D ball aromatizes very easily. Mm-hmm. So, it, does that answer your
3: question? Yeah, trend. Uh, <clears throat> I think one of the allures of the, something like trend balone is that it will increase your strength, it will increase your muscle mass. And you'll look leaner again Mm -hmm. without a lot of changes to your diet. It's not like you're going to get shredded if you're a big fat dude and you take tren, but you'll certainly. And if you train, you'll certainly look a lot different. And it doesn't take very long, right? If you go on a cycle of testosterone, you've never taken testosterone before, but it's going to take a couple weeks for the a longer acting ester to kind of pile up in your body. And then for you to have uh, higher testosterone, higher free testosterone, and for things to be favorable going in, in the right direction for a handful of weeks, maybe four or five weeks. I usually tell people, like, might not notice much for about four to six weeks. Right. With Trenbolone, if somebody took it for 15 days and they were in shape, you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> like, what the fuck happened? Like, if one of you guys took it, like, out of nowhere, I mean, it— it's a little hocus pocus, like it, it. It's fucking. You know, we talked that one time on the podcast, not not uh, not too long ago. Uh, just a few weeks ago about devil pussy <laughs> yeah well this is the devil steroid like this motherfucker's <laughs> calling you and it's like yo i got your number bitch uh, Where are you at there's, there's it there's... keeps calling you you're like no i shouldn't take it i shouldn't take it <laughs> and he's talking about uh like shutdown and stuff like that yeah it can it can mess with your dick uh it could shut down your testosterone levels for a long time and the recovery from it could be could take a really long time so you have to always think about an exit strategy out of these things. If you just took a little testosterone, I think, you know, if you took 200 milligrams, even if you took it for a year straight, I don't see a lot of negative side effects from that. But if you took a good amount of testosterone or a good amount of Trenbolone for a year, good luck with the recovery on that. It's mm-hmm. going to be really, really difficult.
2: Yeah, and I forgot to mention it also It can help burn fat due to its modulation of, Glucocorticosteroid receptor, so it does affect that, which can help with carbs going into your muscles rather mm. than storing as fat so, so it can get, give you that leaner look because of that. I forgot to say that okay
1: wow I, I mean, yeah, it sounds awesome uh, I mean, that's the, that's the allure <laughs> yeah so and it's also what, oh yeah. sorry,
2: uh-huh. and normally it's acetate, the most common found one is trinacetate. Which is a very quick ester, and if you're doing it three times a week, <laughs> sorry, that's my so, dog. That's, that's, that's okay. Christina. Can we can we get her on camera real quick? Oh yeah, That'd be great. Here. come here, baby. Yeah, scoop her up. This is Christina. Oh, hello. Oh, Say security. hi. She travels with <laughs> me everywhere, so she's our little buddy for today. Why is yeah.
3: she traveling with
2: you? What's going on? She's a. I hate flying, and this is an uh, adult onset claustrophobia. Mm. So instead of taking medication she keeps me calm and, oh, I, and cool. I can uh not have to wor- rely on something else that to keep me calm so
0: she's an amazingly trained dog man yeah she's she's, so she's
2: super smart she knows <laughs> hand commands she knows everything so say so hi to everybody baby
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um what was
3: nope oh, tangled up what was the original question I, I'm, I'm sorry i got distracted I was going to ask you: um, Do you think this is a good place for people to start? You know, like sometimes somebody's looking for extra results. Um, maybe they've been training pretty hard. Uh, maybe they're already have. Maybe they have some whey protein. Maybe they got some BCAAs. They feel like their diet's pretty good. Do you think that's a good place for people to even start to try to mess around with their testosterone? Yeah, aside from performance-enhancing drugs, I'm just talking about like even just a supplement that will boost your testosterone. Or do you think they should maybe be looking somewhere else?
2: Uh, I made a product. It's not up here, but I, it's called Natabolic, and it's a natural testosterone booster slash natural anabolic. So there's compounds in there that work to increase luteinizing hormone that we talked about, so your body starts to produce, gets the signal to start producing more testosterone. And then there's compounds that are natural anabolics, similar like they're not SARMs, but, be, but they're SARM-like, meaning that they're not steroidal, but they activate the androgen receptor. And so I put those in there as well. To, and like uh, Korean mistletoe is one that's been shown to increase muscle protein synthesis. Korean mistletoe? Yeah. Whoa, okay. I did. So a little background. I, but when I make a product, I usually have a minimum of twenty papers to go along with mm-hmm. everything that's in there. I don't just right do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really that nootropic took me a year to make. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm waiting to see
0: how it's gonna it's <laughs> gonna do to me.
2: Uh, yeah, there's no caffeine. Some people bump caffeine in it to uh, to make it. You know, because they're so used to caffeine, mm-hmm. it's like the biggest addiction in America. Mm-hmm, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I purposely did it without caffeine so that you can feel the the focus. of so the I don't know. Do you want to segue into the that stuff like Kana and
3: what we were talking about, or you want to stay on the anabolics for a little bit? We can go wherever. Yeah, we can, uh, Let's. I just. I guess I've, I'm just asking. Like, um, like, is is someone going to see a real big impact, or should they be just kind of looking know. somewhere else? Like, with their, should they just like switch up their training, or like maybe a sleep product might be a better idea, or some other type of recovery? Or do you think that like bumping your testosterone levels up? I know you said earlier that. It's not your actual testosterone levels that you're really looking to just bump up. You're looking to bump up your free testosterone as well. Right,
2: yeah. So boron is Mm. probably the most underused uh, testosterone booster because it specifically increases free testosterone. Mm. And Dante Trudell is a huge believer in boron, and he and I have a very good relationship, and we talk a lot about stuff. And he's he's the one that's like, you got to try boron to increase your free testosterone. And, and then you start reading studies and it really works. Like the data is there. So boron is one that really helps with the free testosterone versus your total count can be 2000, but if your free levels are less than 40, if they're like 20, like mm-hmm. I think my blood work, you know, obviously going through, what I'm going through on fertility meds was like 22, which is half of kind of what it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that only half of my total testosterone is actually working. Mm. So I need, you need to have the free testosterone number be more – that's more indicative of what's actually going on in your body as far as building muscle and, and utilizing it.
0: And as far as like dosage of boron, because I I, um, I did my blood work with Merrick Health. The first time I did my blood work, um, it, a supplement that was recommended there was boron. Um, so with that being said, is there like a recom- Is there a general dosage of boron? And is it something that because I'm you know before we started the episode, you said you believe in cycling everything. Uh, so is that something that you think should be cycled? Is it something that like people can just take ongoing, or they do they need to watch out for their boron levels?
2: Boron's not toxic. And okay. a lot of boron comes in the form of boron citrate or some type of chelate, meaning that, because boron's, you know, a molecule, like an atom, it's mm-hmm. not a molecule, it's just an atom. So citrate, which is a molecule, so it kind of interacts non, I don't want to get too chemistry related, but it kind of just sits, it helps protect it and helps deliver it, Okay. right? So six to nine milligrams was the study dose. A lot of times you'll see you know, 200 milligrams of boron citrate. But remember, its molecular weight is, is, is way lower than citrate because it's a big molecule. Mm. So the percentage of boron of that 200 milligrams is, is in probably that six to nine... Range that we're talking about.
0: Okay, so when people like look for a boron supplement, will it come in different forms? Like you know, how there's creatine monohydrate, and creatine, yeah. whatever. Is there a specific one that people should be looking for if they want to purchase boron?
2: The citrate one is the most commonly used, and, and it's pretty effective. That's the one the study used. Got it. So there's, I don't think there's a need to get into a different one, like an amino chelate,
0: because
2: mm-hmm. like a lot of the multivitamins now include like zinc or magnesium with like glycinate so they add like amino chelates for better uh bioavailability but yeah. i think boron citrate works well okay and as far as cycling if you're younger you probably cycle on and off if you're over 30 i would say it's probably something you could take for the rest of your life cool. to, to help keep it up
0: there why cycle boron when you're younger i mean, i know mean, it's probably obvious but why just
2: you're, when you're already making so much testosterone and you should have some type of free already, mm-hmm. you're usually going on some cycle for a reason like you're in a mass building phase or you're competing or something like that, so you maybe want to increase your free testosterone for that period of time. It shouldn't go back down too much though, mm. like when you come off because it's not you know it's not something that's like a synthetic hormone or anything it's just something that helps free up. Testosterone from uh, sex hormone binding globulin,
0: which is what makes it inactive. Okay. Power Project Family, how's it going? Now, on this podcast, on almost every single episode, we talk about sleep because sleep is important for your workouts, for your recovery, for your nutrition, for your fat loss, for your muscle gain. Literally everything comes down to getting great sleep at night. That's why I've partnered with Eight Sleep Mattresses. Now, they have something called the Pod Pro Cover. Now, this cover is something you can put over one of Eight Sleep's mattresses or your existing mattress, and it temperature regulates through the night so that you get the best sleep possible at every phase of your sleep. You know, most people uh, think that you need to have your room temperature at 68 degrees Fahrenheit, but our temperature is different. I sleep hotter than most people. Uh, you might sleep cooler. So that's why the 8 Sleep mattress for yourself and your partner, either side of the mattress can have its own temperature regulation. And the cool thing is that the 8 Sleep app watches your temperature through multiple nights and it'll literally change the way the temperature is set based off of the way you sleep. It's crazy. It's literally the Tesla of beds. Andrew, tell them about it, dude.
1: Yeah, dude. It, it's, this this uh, technology is insane. It's like the most high technological, can't even say that word, uh, piece of equipment that I have in my whole house. Um, so you guys got to head over to 8sleep.com slash power project. That's eight spelled out. So 8 E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash power project. And you guys will receive $150 off of your pod pro cover or your pod pro cover and mattress combo. And I must say that that mattress is actually extremely comfortable. They didn't skimp out on anything on this uh, product. Again, eight sleep.com slash power project links to them down in the description as well as the podcast show notes. What can uh, high estrogen levels cause? Like, so what are some of the side effects? Um, something like, cause we spoke off air, you know, my estrogen levels is actually really high right now. Something that I'm like, out of nowhere. I've, I've talked shit on this podcast a bunch about never having acne. And then of course now <laughs> I like, I have a lot of back knee to where like sometimes putting on my backpack really fucking hurts, which is embarrassing cause I've never had acne, but here I am and my estrogen level is very high. But is there anything else I should be worried about?
2: Having high estrogen levels, and I'm currently going through this, being on fertility meds. I cry a lot, and I'm not like ashamed of it. it just mm-hmm. I can't control it. I just get you get real emotional, and uh, health wise, you need you need. It's good for you to have higher levels of estrogen for your heart and uh, cell. Wall, it helps with cell wall protection, and it helps with sex drive. Ninety is a little high mm-hmm. for for a male. I would try and bring it more into like the forty fifty range. But the the acne is another thing. That's a that's a uh, biochemical process from hormone related stuff. So I think that you need you do you need to monitor estrogen. People that have super low estrogen because they take all these aromatase inhibitors that doctors I think over prescribe. Can have more of a detrimental effect than having higher estrogen mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather have higher est- estrogen so I'd have higher HDL versus lower estrogen and then not have a sex driver not have good cholesterol or, and things like that
3: what about some of the counter this over the counter stuff that's for lowering estrogen and for cortisol I think um, I know even females will mess around with some of these products because they think they're going it's going to assist them in like getting leaner or looking like show ready. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: I actually was the first to market to bring a actual cortisone inhibitor, a natural cortisone inhibitor. Patrick Ronald made one that was a derivative of a anabolic one. And I believe it was 11-OXO was the name of the product. But uh, you had to take super high doses of it. And it wasn't very oral bioavailable and um it was also hormonal so this one is based off amodin and i was si- i've been sitting on this for years um and i finally had the opportunity to make it and amodin what it does is it blocks the conversion enzymatically blocks the conversion of cortisone which is inactive to cortisol which is active and this is a product that you can know you can notice within 2 weeks that it's working cuz you'll lose uh, body fat specifically around here and I give it to all my competitors and people swear by it The it works like elevated cortisol levels over time is like metabolic syndrome you know you gain weight you have insulin resistance and so I think Emodin is, is a really
3: good natural solution to lowering cortisol. And you take it safely just for like a handful of weeks maybe and then cycle off of it.
2: Yeah we recommend on a uh, four weeks on four weeks off and the dose we make 250 milligram capsules and it can go up to a gram the only drawback is that you can have gastric distress for a couple of days until your body gets used to it Mm -hmm. so i get a lot of messages like i just took this and and then i had you know bad bowel movements. It's like it, it happens. It's it, There's nothing you can do about it. You can't, it's just a property of the molecule, mm-hmm. but your body adjusts. Like it took me, I think five or six days before I could take more than one a day. So I always tell someone to start one, but most people only take two. Um, Stack3D wrote a review on it and they said they took, they were taking two and within two weeks, they were noticeably leaner in the mm-hmm. midsection. So there, there are things that can naturally lower cortisol and estrogen as well. There's uh, what is it, three five seven seventeen dione, like uh, a is the trademark name of it. That has been shown to inhibit aromatization, but it's on that like FDA warning list. Like not, it's not banned, but it's not you know you can't buy it on Amazon or anything like that because it's one of those ingredients is water banned. Um, acetin is another one that I use that has pretty good data for just blocking estrogen there's a lot of polyphenolic compounds that are naturally around that can help lower estrogen either by stopping the conversion from like when DHEA makes estrogen it stops that pathway or when DHEA goes towards like androstenedione it prevents that from going to estrogen there's a lot of different ways that they work
0: you know, you mentioned. Um, I'm not sure. You mentioned fertility medication, but it got me thinking about uh, athletes, men and women who need to take like take drugs and their future fertility. So I wonder, uh, in that context, what do people need to be careful of uh, if they do plan on having children in the future? And then number two, what if somebody? isn't already like, let's say they did the groundwork of getting a fertility test before they did anything and they're already slim as mm-hmm. far as like their fertility potential and then they choose to hop on. How could that affect mm-hmm. them? Like, Could that mess up their potential future fertility? I just want to like, have people think men and women about that aspect of things because I don't see that talked about much.
2: So f- I-, I can give you my personal experience if okay. you want. So I was on... After my bodybuilding, I competed for a few years and then went on to TRT when I was 30, 29, 30. And my doctor didn't give me HCG. And he told me, you know, when it's time to have kids, you can come off and we'll give you a protocol and and all this stuff. And then now, nine years later, I'm trying to have kids. And it's been seven months of me taking fertility meds and trying to get them enough to increase a sperm count and get my testosterone back to normal, so if you're already on the low end before you start anything and you take a like a sperm mobility test and see what you have or if you have low testosterone in general then if you don't want kids then you're fine if you if kids are something that's important to you then uh if you go on I highly recommend a lower dose of hCG throughout your cycle and I believe that it will help preserve your fun- your LH function so that your body is not completely at nothing cuz you know when you put something in your body that it tends tells your body in the signal well I have all of this I don't need to make it and that goes with a lot of things but mm-hmm. specifically with testosterone so if you if you're getting that signal saying I don't need to make it then you're not going to but if you're also giving the signal like a low dose of hCG which is luteinizing hormone then it can help you keep more be more fertile i know that dante swears by that and then i've also seen anecdotally from or heard from an, anecdotally like that your uh, testicles
0: don't atrophy as much mm-hmm. as if you didn't do it okay so um so first off guys need to probably it would be a good idea because i haven't heard anyone mention that it would be a good idea to get a if you want to have children in the future get a fertility test before you choose to go on testosterone to understand where you're at yeah Okay. I think
2: that's important. Like always get a sperm test to see where you are. Yeah. And then go and that's you should use that because if you you don't have any already or if it's a low chances already, you might want to plan around that. How about women? So women who take things have a different has a different effect. I'm not a hundred percent positive about fertility mm-hmm. because most of these fertility drugs are made for women. They just happen to give them to men because they, they work. But they're mostly to induce ovulation for mm-hmm. women. When women take things, there's you know big hormonal changes and you know lowering their estrogen a lot. So they might have problems releasing eggs. I'm not 100% like, – don't quote me on that. I'm not okay, 100% okay. sure. But that could be one of the main factors. Got it.
3: What's going on with this nootropic? Um, I've heard you talk about, I think it's Kana, is that how you say it? Yes. And um, that has some good research behind it in terms of like depression and anxiety and things like that? Yeah, so Kana
2: originates in South Africa and it's a plant and they chew it and it gives you like a little euphoric buzz, but it's because your body's releasing serotonin and then blocking the reuptake of serotonin. So... Serotonin is like the feel-good hormone. Dopamine is the reward hormone. So most, most antidepressants are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So this is a natural serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So you're releasing it, you feel good, and it's blocking it from being metabolized. So that's why I like it a lot. They said it hits something like 76 receptors in your body. But when I first heard of it as a supplement... It was under the name Zembrin, which is a trademark, and they were they were touting their study using 25 milligrams. When I researched how how much the people in South Africa are taking, it was between 500 to 1500 milligrams at a time. So that's a huge difference between taking 25 milligrams versus taking a thousand. So mm-hmm. I opted to go with it. like I messed around for a while with it when I was formulating that because it was also in my original pre workout, and I just remember. Take adding that to the stimulants that I had in the pre-workout, and it was just like, light, like a light bulb went off. Like this is something to look into because something's happening. You feel good. I trained. I think I trained arm for like two hours just because <laughs> just because I was so focused. Yeah, and and then I looked into other ingredients that were dopamine releasers and dopamine reuptake inhibitors, and then. So dopamine and serotonin are, are called monoamines and you have an enzyme called monoamine oxidase which breaks them down. So I looked into natural monoamine oxidase inhibitors and how they work and I found one in ivy leaf which prevents the breakdown of serotonin, dopamine and norepinephrine which is like similar to adrenaline. So by having those Block, blocking that enzyme that you have more dopamine and more serotonin now in your body. So you'll feel it and you'll be in a good mood. So, And and the way that like Adderall works is that it's a dopamine reuptake inhibitor. So it releases dopamine and then it blocks the reuptake so you, you still have it. So the reason people wa- need Adderall is because they don't produce enough dopamine. And that's why they're always looking around because they need outside stimulus to give them dopamine. Like we talked about earlier with people on screens and stuff, that's giving them a dopamine release. Mm. But if you're normal and you have a normal dopamine, you don't need to take those kind of medications, but when you take them, they really put you in, a, in an extreme state of focus.
0: And with this supplement, let's say someone got it, because you mentioned that like, it's like uh, is this something that somebody can take every day? And then you mentioned that with this, they would have to cycle it. What is the reason for the cycling? And can they take it every day?
2: Uh, I, I purposely made this for three weeks on, one week off, just so that your brain doesn't get used to relying on things. Mm. I just, my personal belief is that when, if you keep using something, and this is kind of based on how like addiction works and stuff, is that your brain, you, everything is treated as a foreign object in your body, and it tries to expel it. So it will either increase the number of receptors you have, and that will break it down, Very quickly, so Mm -hmm. it won't last as long. But if you take a break, then your brain, then you're not producing all those receptors, and then it will last. You'll have a better effect over the long term. Like caffeine, I think within five days, your adenosine receptors are completely like filled, and you, and you, no matter what, you kind of keep having Mm -hmm. to take it more and more to get it used to. But if you take a break for seven days, it's a reset. Mm -hmm. So I recommend people I. When I was taking caffeine every day, I, I would go 10 days every month without taking it. And then, and then it helped out the next time I took it. I really felt it. You think reducing helps at all or is that not enough? It's It can help better than not. But if, I do think that you actually need
3: the break from it to work. You think that might be true of dieting even as well? Like, uh, you know, go three weeks pretty good and then give yourself a week not not to you know, just have at it, but maybe a week where you're not counting and calculating and being so precise? Mentally, 100%. Because
2: if you get really into meticulously dieting for so long, and especially in a a caloric deficit, you're going to go nuts, right? So I think the that's like the purpose of cheat meals. And then the nutritional purpose of cheat meals is to kind of keep your thyroid going along. Because once you're restricting calories for so long, your body thinks that you're going into starvation and it can actually store more body fat than Mm. lose. And you can be on a caloric deficit and still not be losing weight. You'll burn muscle before you burn fat. That's just from like an evolutionary standpoint. That's how our bodies were made. You know, as hunters and gatherers, you never knew when your next meal was. So you always had to, you had stored fat that you could use as energy until you got your next meal, whatever it was. So from that standpoint, I think that, giving having cheap meals or even a, a cheat couple days or something like that can give a huge spike in your thyroid levels which will keep your body humming along and continue to burn fat if that's your
3: goal and give you things to look forward to because you'll get excited about that you know couple day break that you might have and then you'll get excited to get back on your plan again yeah and
2: it, it, yeah, it's like a it as you know it's a lifestyle it's yeah. very hard for people that aren't into like working out to, to make it a lifestyle. So for most people that are just trying to diet to keep sane and to actually keep continuous use of this diet, they have to, you can't just say you can never eat this. You can never eat that. Cause they're going to give up. So I think it's a good idea to always say like, yeah, you can have this on this certain day and, and, or, or have two days a week where you don't do, where you don't eat on your diet and then you go back on and it gives, it breaks that monotony and, and kind of gives us, some, like you said, something to look forward to. And that also releases dopamine, you know, when you have mm-hmm. a nice big <laughs> yeah. chocolate cake or something in front of you. You get real excited and you feel good about it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's positive.
3: What like, about with steroids? What about them? Like, three weeks on, when we go? No. <laughs> three months on, one month off? Three months on, three months off? I think. What do we got to do? So,
2: <laughs> a rule of thumb is time on equals time off. And that time off does not mean you're PCT. So that's like time on, then PCT, then time off, then time on is like a a general rule. But most people just cruise. And, you know, the repercussions of that is you could become sterile or you can have a, you know, like plaque buildup. You're always on something, then your body's never gonna produce anything because it's always getting that outside, that exogenous signal saying, I don't need this. I'm getting it already. So I think it's very important, especially when you're younger to come on and off when you're older and you have kids and you've just decided this is what I want to do. Then it's a different conversation.
1: Yeah. Even with like TRT, like a TRT dose. I think when you make the
2: decision to do TRT, the only reason you would come off is if you're trying to have a baby. And even then I've, I've, there's mm-hmm. countless stories of people that have had babies on gear. Mm-hmm. And it may, from a personal standpoint, it makes me so frustrated because I have, mm-hmm. I know people that have accidental baby Deca babies or whatever you want to call them. And, you know, we're trying for so long and I'm, and I'm doing all these fertility meds and like, and I don't know if it's in the cards. I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but I don't know. We'll see. Got it. So Deca lo- baby. <laughs> yeah.
1: So low dose is okay. long term, like just you're good to go. Like, if you if you make that decision with your mm-hmm. doctor, mm-hmm.
2: hopefully it's with your doctor, then he will tell you um, that this is a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. Just like if you get on a thyroid medication from your doctor, it's usually for life, mm-hmm. it, uh, meaning that your thyroid levels are just declined, just like
1: testosterone mm-hmm. declines at age. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in your 30s. She, she sensed that what you were just talking about, about not being in the cards, and she came <laughs> right over to you, man. She knows she's my number one. Yeah. She knows that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've made the
2: decision to do that, then I think um between you and your doctor, you come to terms with being on gear. For, for you'll be on testosterone for the rest of your life unless you want to have a baby. Relax, it's okay.
0: That's okay. So what? That's actually an interesting thing about TRT because TRT right now is uh, I think it's taken very lightly. It's something that can definitely be beneficial. I've like. You know, if I get into my 50s and I really things start really slowing down and I still have my lifestyle in check, still sleeping, still got nutrition, but uh, it's not there, I'll do some TRT. But um, in what situations do you think TRT is necessary? Because a lot of people just get on it very liberally. Still young, but, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, guys are getting on TRT just because it's the thing now. It's,
2: the internet is to blame for all of this, <laughs> if yeah. we're being really honest. Uh TRT is a term that's kind of thrown around and then they, all these TRT clinics have popped up in the yep. last 10 years, right? But normally you'd have to go to an endocrinologist and they would, you know, assess your blood work and say, these are your options. You can either go on Clomid and HCG and try and bring it back up to normal that way, or you can go on synthetic testosterone and it's something that, you know, you could do for three months and we check your blood work. And if it's fine, then, you know, we can taper off and then give you the right drugs to take after. Or Mm -hmm. most people just like you were saying, it's thrown around. But if you're 40 and your testosterone are low, you should probably, you know, talk to the doctor about it. But I don't think that kids or even thirties should even, do it on I don't think anyone should just do it on their own. I really think you need to have a doctor what mm-hmm. monitoring your stuff or if 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 not you need to be monitoring it. and you need to know what you look for and most people don't know how to read blood work. So mm. that's another another issue.
0: And you know, I'm I'm curious also cuz you mentioned uh, cuz again we work with Merrick and um, the frequency of blood work and if you are interested in children fertility stuff, how often do you think people should get their blood work done and then Along with that, how often should you get fertility tests done? If you're doing TRT or whatever you're choosing to do, what's the frequency that you think should someone should take into account?
2: At least every three months, kind every of see months. where you are. And then if, if kids are a priority, I would get like a sperm motility test done to see, hey, am I making sperm, am I not? Mm-hmm. And then from there, decide... When you want to have a kid, because sometimes your sperm could be fine. You could have a high sperm count on testosterone mm-hmm. and and have kids. But yeah. I think every three months is a is a good rule of thumb for checking everything health wise, fertility wise, just everything that's going on in your body because things accumulate over time slow, mm-hmm. and you might not notice them, but they're because they're internal. Yeah, uh, hematocrit is a big one. Um, meaning that you have high iron in your blood and you, so your blood gets thicker mm-hmm. and that is a huge problem, so a lot of doctors prescribe bloodletting where you or I tell people to just donate blood every six to eight weeks to thin it out mm-hmm. because if your iron gets too high and your blood gets too thick it comes becomes much harder to pump and to circulate, and that can cause many health issues.
1: i was going to ask about the um the nootropic so can you break down the uh the the choline you said you had a precursor and then something to kind of make it stronger i didn't know about the the second part but because a a lot of nootropics will you'll see and you definitely know this will use 50 percent alpha gpc in literally everything and call it a nootropic so can you explain why you use two different chemicals or compounds sure
2: Okay, so the only reason alpha-GPC is 50% is because it's extremely fat-soluble mm. fat and the 50% is a carrier. Okay. So, so the molecule itself is o- like an oil. Mm. And that's, so to put it in a powder, you need to have a carrier. So that's why it's 50%. Uh, I use CDP choline, which I like a lot, personally. It's less choline by weight versus alpha-GPC. It's about 18%, where alpha-GPC, I think, is like 20 or 22%. But... It's a, it's a straight powder. You don't have to worry about it being an oil. And the, that is what increases acetylcholine, which is the neurotransmitter that wakes you up. Where like GABA is the neurotransmitter that makes you tired. So the other thing that you were talking about is huperzine A, right? That's and right. so that is an acetylcholine esterase inhibitor, meaning it blocks the enzyme that breaks down acetylcholine. So by doing that, you have more free acetylcholine circulating in your brain, which allows for more focus, for memory
1: formation, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then in comparison, because you know the second you start like searching for choline, you recognize that it's in foods, and like people will point to eggs right nuts, away, eggs and nuts, yeah. So in comparison to something like that, like like I j- I had five eggs for breakfast, but I've also had eight capsules of this nootropic. <laughs> So like I should be floating anytime soon, but like it, it's different, right? Or is it about the same? It's so
2: it's a subtle thing as far as choline. Like it's it's something that you'll you'll just notice you're sharper mm. over time. It's mm. not something like taking a prescription type of medication where it's like it hits you and Bing. you're like, yeah. <laughs> but having choline like from eggs just, is is uh, a it it will still convert to acetylcholine, which is what it has to do. It has to get acetylated. In order to be the actual neurotransmitter. But these are all choline donors. So, like, they break off, the choline molecule breaks off of CDP choline or alpha GPC, and then that would turn into acetylcholine. So, whether you're getting it from nuts, food, or supplement, uh, the the easiest way with the supplement is you can just get more. You know, I don't remember the exact amount of choline that's in an egg, Mm -hmm. but I know the dose that I like to use is around. Between three and four hundred of CDP choline, alpha GPC I think is a little higher because it's a fifty percent material. So you uh, most people like a the bare minimum dose I think is three hundred, which is one fifty active. Mm-hmm. So I think double that is probably a decent dose.
1: Yeah, I used to like taking a lot of uh, caffeine and L-theanine together. Um, I've, I've tried, uh, basically the way I explained it was like L-theanine is just kind of takes the edge off the top. Is that accurate? Cause I just, I don't know. I just felt good.
2: I never liked it mm-hmm. uh, personally. I tried it cause you know, it's, it's a thing to I like experimenting on different things and, and see how they work together. I personally didn't like the combination, which is why I didn't use it mm-hmm. in anything. I didn't use it in my sleep formula or anything like that, but, but some people do like it. Um but again I'm not a huge caffeine person anymore. I I only take it before I train.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And when I wake up I I try not to do any take any of that. I usually take the nootropic or something like along those lines just to get my brain functioning yeah. and then like we also talked about I do um microdosing which helps me a lot
1: as well. Ooh, we definitely got to get into that. But I wanted to ask <laughs> you about like paracetam or any oh, of the racetams. Yeah. Do, um I've messed with Almost all of them, and sulbutamine and a couple mm. of other fucking. Solbutamines ner- yeah, that's the yeah. I, I, I can't read, but I can fucking take them. Uh, <laughs> what's your What's your thoughts on uh, the racetams?
2: Unfortunately, fuck, they are drugs, and you, <laughs> they're not supplements, right? Okay, because so, I new Pept was one of my favorite. Yes, and back before we got super strict, it had been in products mm-hmm. before, and I really, really liked it. Phenylparacetam was probably one of my favorites. Taking it. I really like
1: expensive.
2: Yeah. But those, (laughs) they work. And the the same way as almost, they are drugs. They're not, they're not supplements. So unfortunately you can't use them, but they do, they are potent. They definitely help increase focus similarly to a prescription medication that you would get. The racetam, that whole family, there are natural things that contain that. Sorry. There are natural things that, Produce the same effect, but you have to take so much of them that it's either cost
3: prohibitive or you're not getting the bioavailability you need. That kind of thing. Where's the line drawn, and who draws it on what's a supplement and what's a drug? (laughs)
1: Mm. Yeah, I never heard anybody call a Rastam a drug. It's a drug because it's synthetically
2: made; it's not naturally occurring. Okay. And the DEA, or sorry, the FDA does that, and they have the uh, Dshea Act, which says that. It has to be a natural metabolite or amino acid or something that is naturally in your body in order to be a supplement or a food. So those things are not, because they're completely synthetic. So like, if you guys remember DMAA, that the, what the FDA basically said was, you can't f- make something in a lab and then try and find it in a plant. But if you find it in a plant <laughs> at a very small amount, <laughs> then you can... Instead of taking ten kilos to make one a thousand grams of something, you can synthesize, biosynthesize it, or synthesize it to be bioidentical to that compound. But that's that was the court case a couple years ago. I don't know if it's changed since then. But you can't just might make something in a lab and say, "Oh, this was this is awesome," and then try and go somewhere where it's at. 0.000% <laughs> in there and then call it natural because it's all spiked. And that was a big problem in the mm-hmm. industry. So when it's pushed over to a drug, it's probably more regulated. Yes, much more regulated than a supplement. But but again, I mean, you could buy pep online. Right. I haven't seen a whole lot of regulation except I think you can't do it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So they, they're they really strict about right. stuff. But you can, I mean, there's plenty of sites where you can buy Nupept and just like peptides, just like any research chemical you can buy online. There's always going to be some not-for-human-consumption clause or whatever that's on there. But, people, I mean, there's a market for it. If, if there's always a market for it, somebody's going to fill it.
3: What are some things that we can take that can help sleep, help us get to sleep, help us stay to sleep, help us wake up refreshed? So I didn't bring that either. I made a sleep product, and I have
2: in-depth videos that I break mm-hmm. down all of these things. But it took a while for me to find compounds because everyone likes to throw out GABA, right? And GABA (laughs) and melatonin. Melatonin has never worked for me ever. And I've had insomnia for a very, very long time. I have a sleep doctor. And so it was a personal endeavor to make this sleep product. So I really dug deep into how do prescription sleep meds work? Where do they bind? And are there natural alternatives to that? And so I found quite a few that bind. Um, So you have your GABA receptor, but then you have what's called, in chemistry terms, it's called allosteric sites, which means it's not the actual main binding site. It binds on a different part of the enzyme, but increases the activity. And that's how a lot of the sleeping meds work, like um, all of the benzodiazepines. They allosterically bind, and they to the GABA receptor, and they increase its effectiveness. So I look for compounds like that. And I actually found a research paper that was fairly new, I think from 2019, that they discovered all this stuff in Africa in some bark, and it had multiple compounds that they identified that work as that. So I put that in the sleep product. And um, different, different things that have... That allosterically bind to the GABA receptor. Yeah, that's the one. So, can you can you pull the supplement facts panel on that? Yeah,
1: it's very small though.
2: <laughs> yeah, but there's like there's ingredients in there that most people have never heard of, like magnolia bark yeah, extract is uh, is a big one. And um, ma- so, mag- magnol and honokiol are two natural compounds that bind to your GABA receptor and they work really, really well for sleep. The um, the first ingredient, I think is commonly known as skullcap, that has a compound called uh, bacolin, which is another potent ga- allosteric, allosteric GABA receptor modulator. Apigenin helps work for sleep. Mm-hmm. The um, Zimmermania is the one African one I was talking mm-hmm. about that, that, uh, that I found all this, those compounds. And then I put black... Pepper extract in there, and I have a huge problem with people just throwing it in there. There's a very specific reason I put that in there because it helps certain products from being expelled in your body. And the pro, like many people just throw it in there and they say, Oh, it increases bioavailability, but it doesn't, it does it for certain things. It's a <laughs> very specific way it works. And so I put that in there because some of those compounds could be that are polyphenolic can be. Expelled very very quickly through a process called glucuronidization, which is basically adding glucuronic acid, the sugar molecule, to the compound to make it very water soluble, and then get you you, get pee it up.
3: Have you ever tested this um, with any sort of uh, like tracker, like just for yourself? You ever just you know take the product and track your sleep versus not take the product and track your sleep? Yeah, I've I've done that on my. Every product I make,
2: I do on, my, on myself first. So yeah, I, after finding these combinations, I tried them by themselves, and then I tried add one, add two, see how they work before I came up with a final formula. And I, give, I gave it out to friends, like, hey, try this before you go to sleep, uh, coworkers. And it seems to have a very positive effect on people. It had an effect on me, for sure. Uh, my body is used to taking prescription ones because I had that before I made this. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, this is something where if I don't want to take my prescription med, I can take this instead and uh, so I can alternate so my body's not getting used to just the prescription medications. Something
1: that you're going to want to cycle on and off as well?
2: I like to cycle on and off everything. Mm-hmm. Just because your body, if it gets used to it, it's, it's going to lose its effect over time. So, yeah, I recommend. You, this is something you can do longer, probably 12 weeks, and then take uh maybe a 6 week break and then go back on
0: what i like about what you've mentioned about that is because that doesn't do well for your sales <laughs> like, you, you, you mentioned that with this, uh, you know, this nootropic. You mentioned that, that sleep product. You just mentioned 12 weeks, then take six weeks where you're not taking your product. So six weeks where the consumer, you're suggesting consumer doesn't purchase your product that hits your wallet. But you're suggesting it because you do care about how everyone responds to the stuff that they're taking. A lot of people will just sell shit Yeah, They'll be like, yeah, just take it. It's all good. Buy it once, you, put, put it on a renewal, renewal mm-hmm. every fucking month. But I like what you're saying here because you really care. Not just about the effectiveness of your product, but about the effect that the consumer is going to have in the long run. And that's important. Not, not many people actually talk about that when it comes to supplements.
2: It probably does hurt, the bottom line. <laughs> and and uh, my partners probably don't like me saying it, but they know that I've been honest like from day one. And, and I truly feel that you need to cycle off things, mm. specific things like stimulants for sure. Like Even though I would love everyone to take my pre-workout year-round because I think it, it works and it helps you with performance. Mm-hmm. At the same time, for your health reasons, I think you should take a break from stimulants, even if it's just for a week or yeah. two weeks. It, it doesn't have to be a whole month on, a whole month off. Just as long as you're not doing it six days a week for you know months on end, then then you're. that's what happens when people have to take one scoop, then two scoops, then three scoops, and then all of a sudden you're at 800 milligrams of caffeine because most people dump, you know four hundred megs in a scoop now, yeah. and it's just over stimulation of your central nervous system, and then that causes increased cortisol levels, which then can cause you know uh insulin resistance and body fat storage and the opposite of what you want yeah. so disclaimer <laughs> to my um <laughs> to my partners I'm sorry, but i <laughs> I'm, this is the truth, <laughs> but some things you don't I don't think you have to they could be longer cycles. Mm. So like um, the product we were talking about earlier, I think it's this one, the ATP, that's something that you can take more. It has creatine in it, which I don't think you have to take. Oh, that's your
3: pump formula?
2: No, this is something that you take before that allows you to train longer and increases performance. Mm. So when when we were talking outside earlier, I mentioned that when you work out, your body breaks down muscle tissue, which has amines in it from like the amino acids, and you break down... ATP, which goes into AMP and that breaks down the Mm amine groups. And so you have floating ammonia in your body. And so what ornithine does is ornithine will bind to that ammonia, chemically bind to it. And that way it will circulate it through the um, urea system and then you'll pee it out. So you don't have all this ammonia floating around because ammonia not only is toxic, but it can, it's a precursor to help forming GABA and GABA makes you tired. So just by taking the studied grant, the study dose was four grams. So when I, when I tried that just by itself, I noticed an immediate effect on training longer. Mm-hmm. So I really like that product a lot. I take it before I train all the time. And it, and and then we talked about the D-ribose is critical for the synthesis of ATP and the resynthesis of ATP as long, and your nucleic acids like DNA, RNA, all that stuff. So, D-ribose is another really underused ingredient. So I, I like that product a lot. I was pretty, very proud of that one because it's kind of unique versus people that just, you know,
3: throw stims at you for
2: performance mm-hmm. and stuff like that.
3: Branch chain amino acids are supposed to help clear ammonia as well. Is that right? Or am I way off on that? <laughs> I haven't heard that. Mm-hmm. I, I know that, I mean, they so are. How, they, how or why did they become popular? Are they
2: effective? Do you want to hear the. Can I tell the true story of, yes. of how, how BCAs came to be? Let's go. I will not name the two names of people, but they were two prominent people in the industry this, that took a study that showed that leucine increased. Charles Poliquin, Dr. Serrano? No. Just a guess. I no, know. no, no, <laughs> you no. Know, you, I'll, I'll tell you who they are off air, and you'll yeah. know exactly what I'm talking about. But they, uh, they kind of misquoted the study a little bit to say that BCAAs are super anabolic. And then that just, boom, the sales, you need BCAAs, you need BCAAs to 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 turn on muscle protein synthesis and build muscle in that, which they do. The actual study said they reduce muscle breakdown, but it was flipped and, and then BCAA came the thing. But the real thing is BCAAs are three of the nine essential amino acids. So your body doesn't produce them. So you have to get them either through food or through supplementation. Like eggs are a great source of EAAs, you Mm -hmm. know, raw meat, chicken, uh, protein powders. Those are all great sources of them. So I made a product called EAA that has all nine at high doses of specific, I drew it from, I took those doses from three different studies that I read and kind of said, okay, this seems like the dose that worked well. I used a high dose of lysine, I used a high dose of phenylalanine, Most people don't use high doses of methionine because it has sulfur and it tastes really bad or tryptophan because it's expensive, but you need it. You need tryptophan because it's precursor to serotonin. So I think that the real reason is you need need all of them because your body is going to pull them from something one way or another because it needs them to make muscles, enzymes, tons of things in your body. So you can break down muscle if you need those EAAs that are in those peptides Mm -hmm. if you're not taking enough so bCAs in my opinion, are not enough to just to build muscle. You need all nine EAAs to actually have the full
3: effect. So is that why EAAs kind of they sort of took over, but i I guess like a lot of people were left behind and just didn't <laughs> so it's a lot <laughs> didn't che- switch over It's a
2: lot cheaper just to have BCAs, okay. right and then um EAAs just don't taste as good Some of them don't harder but to they're make just taste- more, it's more expensive yeah. and and yeah, some of them have a bite two of them. But like John Meadows was a, was a friend of mine and he was always a big EAA pusher. And there's a couple other guys in the industry that were very much behind EAAs over BCAs. but it's a cheap, it's a cheaper product if you just put the three BCAAs in there and then, you know, make claims like increased muscle protein synthesis and stuff like that. So that's not the route I chose.
0: So at the end of the day, if you do want to take one of these, you should probably find yourself EAAs. Do you have an EAA product? I do.
2: You do? Okay. Yeah. It's called, it, all of my products have their, like the name. <laughs> They're just called EAA or Nootropic or simple. Pre-Workout. Or, yeah. yeah. Just because uh, when you come up with really cool names for stuff, it, some people get thrown off. They don't know what it does. Mm-hmm. So I tried to make it as simple as possible. So um, I did leucine the three grams is kind of the industry standard based off of studies to increase muscle protein synthesis. But if you look, there's large amounts of, you know, like threonine and tryptophan and phenylalanine and lysine, all the other essential amino acids that most people leave out.
3: I heard you earlier say that you uh, looked at several different studies to come Mm -hmm. up with some of these things. I think that sometimes in the supplement industry... And I'm not saying that you're doing this, but I've seen other people do this where they talk about how it's scientifically backed. And I do see on your packaging that it that it does say that. But in what you said, I thought was great the way that you worded it because you didn't word it as if your product, that the stuff that's actually in there is in these scientific studies. I kind of hear people kind of, when they mention that their stuff is tested, I'm not going to name any names, right, but when they mention their stuff is tested they 're trying to tout that their product was somehow involved in these tests, and i 'm like that is very inaccurate <laughs> some, <laughs> and would cost you an absolute fortune to try to figure out so some ingredient alone, correct, can be
2: studied, and that 's how they get patents and stuff right. like that dang, like uh, <laughs> nitro I think has ten patents mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if I can even say this but yeah. but uh no I'm not going to say it. I <laughs> understand what you're saying. I mean
3: the like but the, as, again, a, EAAs as a whole are, yeah. yeah EAAs like, are studied. Mm-hmm. not as not necessarily the EAAs that are in that product. Is that fair to say? The the doses
2: I took were from three studies that compared them to a specific amount of just whey protein and then whey to pre protein plus carbohydrates right. and they showed that the the blend of EAAs was just as effective as taking the whey protein with carbohydrates. Right. So it shows that this like quote anabolic window where you need like aminos and carbs. You, like the you don't necessarily need the carbs right away. You need the aminos definitely to get in your system. So that was that was something interesting I found out from one of those studies. Mm. But that's where I based it. Mm.
0: You know, I'm curious. The very hot supplement that everyone's talking about is turkesterone, Yeah. And, um, you know, Mark Loeblinder was here yesterday, and he kind of s- talked about how turkesterone's kind of bullshit. It's been here. It was apparently here in the
2: 80s. It's been around,
0: yeah. And it cycles, that then it comes back under something mm-hmm. else, and it comes back. So what's the deal with turkesterone? Because a lot of people are selling Turk products, but— some people just say it's actually just kind of useless. And then we did have Greg on the podcast uh, and he said it has drug like effects. So, you know, what, what's the deal?
2: So there was like, I think I told you guys off air. There were most of the studies were in the sixties and seventies and from Russia. And so it's very hard to find the actual paper <laughs> from Russia, but I okay. did find a paper and read it that compared it to D ball. And yeah, that's what Greg said. Yeah. And it showed that its anabolic activity is real. Now, w- whether it's I don't believe it's binding, it well, sorry it does have an affinity to the androgen receptor, but it doesn't have the same effect as, you know, other synthetic agents. But the terchesterone is in a blend. Like so my product has 10 percent standardized for 10 percent terchesterone, but there's also other actives in there that work. And so that it's a combination of all of the things working together synergistically,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um, because they don't—you can't just get turkesterone. You'd have to have somebody like a chemist make it synthetically, Mm. and Mm. this is pure turkesterone. And they don't—they don't have that on the market. I believe ten percent is the highest that they make because when I was looking for it, that's all I could find. Mm -hmm. And I know um, Dante's product uses the ten percent one as well. And then there—and like I said, there's other actives in there that are. Responsible for anabolic activity as well.
0: Yeah, so it, like I'm guessing you know you you have it in your product. Do you think it's because a lot of guys are like trying to sh- like sweep the shelves for testosterone? You know what I mean? Um, is it as useful as a lot of people are trying to tout that it is? Is it something that like you really got to get your hands on
2: some turk? <laughs> From a personal standpoint, and we talked about this on there. I uh, Dante sent me some to try when initially when I said, hey, I'm I'm coming off testosterone. We're trying to have a baby. I don't want to lose as much mass. He sent, he personally sent me his product to try Mm -hmm. and he's like, take this much uh, every day and it should help preserve your lean muscle. And that's strictly through, you know, the way that it increases anabolic activity and protein synthesis. Now, is it something that is, it's not like a SARM or anything. Like it's not a drug that's going to be super strong. And like I said, there's only, 10% 10% of it is the highest I think you can get. Mm-hmm. But from my personal experience taking that, and then I also took a liposomal version of it. And for those of you listening who don't know what liposome is, it basically is a water-soluble compound on the outside and fat-soluble on the inside. So the compounds like terchesterone, which are fat-soluble, go on the inside, and then you have an enzyme called lysase that breaks it open, and then you get the terchesterone out where it's supposed to go. It's like yeah. a liquid, right? Um, no, they make, well, you can have liquid, but okay. they make a, a, a pill okay. based off of, uh, what is it? Phosph- ph- choline, I believe. Um, but so I used both of those. And for me, who was going to be rapidly losing size, I felt that it at the time helped me keep some of that size. And when I went to the gym uh, it, versus not taking it. So I do think it has a positive effect. Mm-hmm. It's not Andro or anything like that, I wouldn't make that comparison. But if you're looking to just be a natural athlete and something that can help keep muscle mass on you or, or possibly gain muscle mass if you're eating the right way and dieting and training, then I think it does work.
3: What's the deal with SARMs? That's <laughs> a lot to unpack. Ca-
2: Where do you you want- think they're pretty effective? I, mean, I do. Um, I think that they were marketed completely incorrectly, and there was a lot of misinformation when they first came out. And like we talked about, a lot of companies just made mega doses of stuff. Mm. And you the studies were very, very little. For example, LGD, super potent. Probably one of the most potent ones as far as muscle building. The only study that I found when it came out was in monkeys. And they used <laughs> 0.1 milligram human equivalent where people are selling 10 milligrams. Mm. So that's a huge difference,
0: God damn taking
2: 0.1 milligram mm. or one milligram to 10 milligrams. You're talking about a 100-time difference, right? So the, the the companies just overdosed everything, and then there was this huge misunderstanding that they don't cause any shutdown. They're just pure in a box. You could take them all, like, all you want. But then studies started coming out showing, no, they decrease your L.A., they decrease, Decrease your FSH. They decrease your testosterone levels. So they're not the pure anabolic they're supposed to be. That mm-hmm. the, the goal from a from a pharmaceutical standpoint is to make a pure anabolic compound for hormone replacement, so that way you don't get the androgenic side effects that come mm-hmm. along with it. But that we're not there yet. As when when I say we, I mean the, the academic community is not there yet. Mm-hmm. There's, the, I mean, it's a very ongoing topic. There's papers published all the time about SARMs, and I try and keep up with. What's going on? But there's a lot, you know. There's different ones. There's different. They're based off different things, and I think the main problem was they were just overdosed and un- misunderstood. But in a, they can be used in low doses, and I think they're very effective.
3: But how do we uh, inhibit the myostatin gene so we can be <laughs> super jacked? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so that's a. There's another <laughs> big uh, misconception that mm-hmm. statin does that. So the study was. Injecting folostatin drastically reduced myostatin. And I think you've probably seen the picture of the mice that was mm. like, they had like the dead mice. Yeah. yeah. Right. But the problem is, you, they used a virus vector to deliver it. So that virus got it into where it needed to go. Mm. If you buy folostatin as a peptide, it, it doesn't have that delivery system. It's not going to work. It's just a waste of money. So right now, there's nothing that really... Do- I mean, things do that. Like BCAs lower myostatin to a degree. Testosterone lowers myostatin to a degree. But if you're trying to be like like the Belgian bull, that's just <laughs> not going to happen
1: right now. Damn. Um, yeah. uh, real quick, just because um, I was trying to remember, but it the SARM uh, YK11 yeah. was supposed to be able to inhibit the myostatin. Is that true?
2: So the study touted that it increased, like, grip strength, I think, in mice, and then it lowered fallostat or increased folistatin levels, which in turn, in, I'm sorry, in theory should reduce myostatin, but I don't think it was ever. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't think it was ever really proven that it drastically reduced my okay. stat. It was just marketed that way. I was going
1: to say, because, yeah, you look up YK11 and that's all you're going to see.
2: Yeah, but there's does anyone have a PhD that's writing those articles saying that it does? <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, you know, maybe they took a class once or a cousin <laughs> did and they, you know, paid attention to their books one day. That's all. But no. Yeah. Not at all. I don't
0: think that we're there yet. <laughs> Damn it. You know, you, you mentioned that you were, you, you know, you had to hop off um, and you were losing some muscle. I'm curious, since, you know, you've been in this space for a long time, uh, obviously steroids can help an individual reach their natural genetic potential and then surpass their genetic potential. But from what you've seen, if a person does choose to hop off and not take anything anymore, do... And let's say they don't take anything. Let's say they don't even go on a TRT dose. They just, they just stop. They do what they need to do to stop safely, and they stop. How much of that do they keep? You, I mean, it's probably individual, but can an individual expect to have a good amount of kept muscle from when they were using steroids, or do they go back to what their peak would have been if they stopped taking it?
2: That is a very individualistic thing. Okay. I, I personally know somebody who uh, was a good friend of mine when I was an undergrad that came off everything to to have kids. And his testosterone was super low, like below 30 or something like that. But tra- his regimen from diet and training and cardio and everything he was doing, he probably lost a little bit of weight, but, but stayed super lean, stayed muscular. And he was pretty big? Yeah. Oh, he was in probably 240, 250. He was a big guy. He was a small guy. I mean, he had been doing things for a while, but, okay. when it was ti- but he was able to successfully you know, use fertility meds to have kids and maintain his mass. So for me, one of the biggest issues, if I'm being completely honest, is the lack of motivation to go to the gym helped uh, or allowed me to lose more muscle weight than I wanted to. But mm. inherently... Not having high testosterone, having high estrogen kind of changes your body composition to store fat versus to burn it and, you know, drops muscle mass. Because like we talked about, you don't really need muscle anymore. Mm. Like your body's holding onto it um, and you have to exercise to use it. But if you, but we're not hunters and gatherers, we don't need to carry it. So your body doesn't, your body will use it as fuel first instead to break down. So that's why a lot of people just lose that initial whatever it is, 10 pounds, 15 pounds. Like I lost a lot, but I also, you know, came off after nine years of TRT. So without using HTG, which is my fault.
0: Yeah. The, dr- the drive and motivation thing you mentioned is actually a very big deal. I don't think a lot of people think about like, if let's say that before you started something, you weren't really finding that much motivation to go work out. You start and now you're motivated and then you come off and your motivation goes down and you're not training enough to stimulate that muscle tissue. You might just go back to where you were because you never liked the gym in the first place. Right. That that's not the case with me. Oh well, no, I'm not saying yeah. No, I'm just saying in, in, in general, general, like that the, the Marx talked to me about the mental aspect mm-hmm. of that stuff and it that that's that's wild.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of I have had plenty of personal experiences with friends that have never gone to the gym ever and the first time they went to the gym, they started they wanted to take something and that was their motivation to go to the gym. Mm. And then those are the guys that either fall in love with the gym and continue to do stuff or when they come off, they don't go to the gym anymore. So yeah, it's it's real. I mean, and Mark's an intense guy, obviously. And Mark <laughs> uh, loves to train. Yeah. I've trained with Mark before and he's also one of those genetic freaks that mm-hmm. just stays ripped year-round and all that stuff, so... Uh, he's he's right about that.
0: Oh, i I was meaning this mark. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, I mark meant, too. <laughs> I thought you meant that mark. Well, yeah,
2: mark. Same, same thing. The you know you're dedicated to it. It, it it's part of your life. Mm-hmm. But if it was never part of your life, and then you hopped on gear and it didn't become part right. of your life, then there's no point. You would just lose it and possibly even be more spot than you were before.
3: What does uh, testosterone do to our brain? Are you pretty well informed on that? N- I know that it can affect your brain. It can
2: affect you. I don't think the quote, roid rage is a real thing. I think it brings out different aspects of your personality, but it definitely has a detrimental effect long-term on your brain. Uh, There are papers that show correlation between high testosterone levels and certain different types of brain issues. Off the top of my head, I can't remember, but I've definitely read studies on that so if you do a quick google search on that you should be able to come up with something that shows like high androgen levels will affect this part of your brain or that but i don't think that i think that if you're an asshole it'll make you a bigger asshole but if you're not you're not just going to turn into this giant asshole yeah but your emotions obviously change just either just like an estrogen they change so it's either it's a a swing Mm
3: -hmm. they can kind of help with motivation though right
2: yeah i mean there's a study that showed that I thought this was funny that if you watch clips of yourself doing something in a sporting event that boosts testosterone mm. so like if you watch before you went to work out if you watched you do a PR of something <laughs> then you go work out like you actually increase your testosterone it's fascinating it. I thought that was very cool and they did it with athletes um I think football players basketball players um and weightlifters, it was it was interesting when I read that. I wasn't expecting it. I mean, I don't know if that's narcissistic. I was Just thinking that like we're so
1: bad, we're already filming ourselves working out, and then we're watching ourselves as we're getting ready to hit another set. I yeah. think that'd be amazing.
2: So I'm I'm really not big on filming myself train. I'd rather film from an academic standpoint, explaining stuff. My ultimate goal would I would love to be the Neil deGrasse Tyson of This industry, as far as like he breaks things down to people Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. simply as possible, you learn a lot like that type of thing. I I listen to his podcast all all the time. He's a big influence on spreading the word of you know science to people, getting more people. One of the best things I ever got from my Instagram was I've had over ten people say. You've inspired me to go back to school for chemistry, oh, shit. which that is was the ultimate goal. And, and you know, Patrick Arnold did that to me. So if I can pass that along to somebody, where like they're really into working out, but they don't know
3: anything, so I'm going to go to school for it. Like that's the real goal. Mm-hmm. You know, that made me really happy. Awesome, man! Thank you so much for your uh, time today. Where can people find you, and where can they find out more about your products? So uh, chemexlifestyle.com is where you can find
2: all the information on the products. There's uh, whiteboard videos of me. Explaining all the ingredients, how they work from a uh, chemistry and a mechanistic standpoint. My Instagram handle is at the Gorilla Chemist, spelled Gorilla like Gorilla Warfare, two R's, two L's. And then uh, working on setting up a YouTube page now to get that going. Let's go. Yeah, so... And I wanted to do a podcast. I don't have a, a co-host, so I feel like it would be weird just me talking. Mm-hmm. No, nah, Huberman does that. I was gonna say Huberman does a good job. Does and, he? And yeah. you just
0: you just speak facts, man. Like, so you could kill it.
2: Uh, we're, we're working on it. We, um, I have some ideas, but yeah, I I, I just want to spread information. That's like my real goal. Yeah. I, I like you know being in this industry. I'm really into supplements and how they work, and I would love to just inform people so they don't go down the wrong path.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just have uh, Christina co host and you'll be fine. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like she was today. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, Andrew, take us on out of here, buddy. Sure thing. Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. Uh, please make sure you guys like today's episode and comment something down below, something that uh, maybe you learned today. That would be fantastic, so we can kind of go through the comments and check out what you guys found fascinating. Uh, and subscribe if you guys are not subscribed already, and turn on all those bell notifications so you don't miss another episode. Uh, follow the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram at mbpowerproject on TikTok and Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter is at I am
0: Andrew Z. And Sima. Where can people find you? Also, peeps, make sure to check out Merrick Health because we talked them. Most- mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. talked about them multiple times during this episode about getting your blood work done, et cetera. So we'll probably have that somewhere in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It'll and, be in there. And Sima my in- <laughs> on Instagram and YouTube and see Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. And I was feeling your nootropic. Yeah. It's pretty like... Because I, I didn't even take any uh, mind bullet. I sometimes take kratom, and kratom's pretty strong. Yeah, um, but I only took this, and it's not as strong as it. But I was focused as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's
1: I like it. It's dope. Yeah, and I think if people like broke down my words per podcast, you know, because I'm usually just back here, kind of in, you know, in, in doing my own thing, making sure we don't like fall apart. <laughs> as far as like the podcast, like cameras and stuff, is what I mean. Not like verbally us falling apart <laughs> and, as a team breaking up falling apart <laughs> but like i definitely spoke out a lot even more. Right I, now. I had i have way more confidence during this episode than you know previous whatever you know episode so i think uh you got you got a you got a winner in there
3: i appreciate that yeah, thank you thank you yeah thanks again for your time strength is never weakness weakness never strength i'm at mark smelly bell catch you guys later